Praise the Lord. It's wonderful to hear those kind of testimonies of how people are just hungry, and he was telling us a little bit about the students coming, and they're just soaking up, you know, the word of the Lord there in Ethiopia, and it's so wonderful to, to hear of that, of what God's doing. I want to just share a, a, just a little word that God has been placing on my heart lately on the topic of wisdom, you know, and how we desperately need wisdom for the days that we're living in. Uh, you could entitle this message, God's Plan of Wisdom. Because, you know, as you read the scriptures, you realize God has a plan for us. And not just a big plan, but he has a plan even just for the situations we face. He has a plan for us to, to succeed, to triumph. And that's how, you know, Paul could say, or that we are always to triumph through Christ Jesus because God always has a plan of triumph available for us if we'll follow it. Amen? Oh, we need to follow God's plan. And we desperately need wisdom to know what his plan is so we can follow it. Now, a good definition for wisdom is a divine ability to know what to do in a given situation. And uh, Pastor Bailey always used to tack this, this thought on uh, in, in his definition. He said, you know, we know what to do in a give, given situation, and therefore we're able to live life skillfully. That's a good thought. I want to live my life skillfully. Because, right? you know, you can see some people, how they approach life, they just kind of stumble through it. You know, they'll, oh, I don't know what to do in a situation. Well, we'll just figure it out. And you just kind of, they stumble through it, whatever seems best at the time. But then there's those, it's like they're able to approach a situation and it's, it's like they've become skillful in making decisions and knowing what is the right thing to do in a situation. And it's those kind of people I admire. So I was like, man, they can just go through life and they're able to just know exactly what to do. And, they, and it's like they live life well because of it. But that is the kind of life that God is offering to his people, to walk in wisdom, to walk in a way that we can understand and comprehend from heaven what his plan is. Yes, for our whole lives, right? We want to hit the mark, but yet we, we, sometimes we're, we fail to say, Lord, what's your plan in this situation? What do you want me to do now in this step? And there's such safety in that. You know, when you're, when you're following God's plan, it's like you're under that covering of his shelter, his protection, because it's his plan. It's not our plan. If something happens, we say, Lord, this is your plan, right? So you're in charge. You'll protect us. You'll cover us. Proverbs 3.21, it says, My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And there'll be life to your soul and grace to your neck. So then you will walk safely in your way and your foot won't stumble. I want that to be my way, to walk in safety without stumbling. I've had a few times in life where I haven't been paying too much attention. And the next thing you know, you've stumbled or I've stumbled, you know, tripping over a step or something. And that's quite embarrassing, too, especially when you're doing it in front of a big group. Oops, I didn't see that step there. I stumbled. Well, in the natural, that happens because we're human. But in our lives, we don't want that to be the case because there's more uh, significant consequences when we stumble in our lives, in our spiritual walk. 
but wisdom keeps us in the way of safety. You know, we won't be afraid because this is God's plan. It's not our plan. And we can rest in that. We won't be afraid, the Bible talks, of sudden terrors or trouble from the wicked. We can have confidence of safety in God's way. We see a contrast to this during a, a period of Israel's history. Remember during the time of the judges? It was a very unsafe time. Right? In, in, in Israel's history, you can look at, see different periods. There's time of great safety and peace, like during the reign of David when he conquered his enemies, during the reign of, of Solomon. It was great peace. But during the time of the judges, they lacked peace altogether. You couldn't even go hardly between one village to another because the roads weren't safe. Right? All, you, all you had was safety in your own little community. And if you look at the very end of the book, at the last verse, at the last phrase of the verse, we find out why. Judges 21, 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The plan of God wasn't being followed. They were following whatever seemed right to them. They determined their own pathway. They made their own decisions. You know, they'd be faced with the situation instead of looking to heaven or asking counsel of the godly priests or leaders or seeking God in his tabernacle, they would do whatever seemed like a good idea at the time to them. But the, thing, the consequence of that was that it brought uncertainty into the land. It brought, uh, or you could say it opened the door for the enemy to have free reign in their lives. And it was not a very pleasant time to be an Israelite because there was such a lack of safety and certainty. But then you contrast that to, as I mentioned, the king that came later, King David, and how he led the nation to victory and he brought them into peace. But yet, one of the things David is known for is that he always followed God's battle plan. God had a plan and he inquired of the Lord, Lord, what do you say? What does heaven say? Now, he probably had some generals around, and it's actually not even recorded in Scripture too much, whether he asked their counsel or not. I'm sure that he was wise in that sense. But what is recorded is he always said, Lord, what's your plan? What's heaven's plan? And so he brought them into victory. And so that is the way of wisdom that we so desperately need to establish in our lives you know, Dr. Bailey once said, one of the secrets to success in life, he said this in one of his books, and of course, when, when someone that wise says, here's a secret to success, my ears perk up, and I say, okay, I want to know what this secret is. He said, it's find out what is the plan of God in a situation. That's kind of what really sparked this message. He said, if you want to walk in wisdom, take the time to say, God, what's your plan? You know, not, again, I'm emphasizing we want to know his plan for our lives in a general sense, but yet Pastor Bailey is not uh, inferring that especially, but he's saying in each situation, you know, you have a decision to make. Obviously, we're like, you know, well, let's weigh this decision and how it's going to affect my life and so forth. But we must take the time to say, Lord, what do you think? What's your plan? And this could be maybe it's whether going on a trip or mapping out 
something with your job, a decision you have to make there, or, or maybe it's even just answering a question uh, someone is asking you that your answer can be significant. You know, you want to make sure your answer flows with the plan of God, and so you take the time, Lord, what do you think? What answer should, do you want to give? Now, we, we do look to David as a pattern in this, and as an example of a man who, who inquired of the Lord for his plan, but I think part of that is because there was an experience he had where he learned a very valuable and actually difficult lesson when he didn't inquire of the Lord. Now, this happened after he had been king in Hebron for seven years, and he was in a position where the nation had started to come together. You know, the tribes were recognizing David as their king, and they were united. They had defeated the Jebusites and took Jerusalem, and they called it the city of David. And of course, Jebusites speak of the final enemy, which is discord. Um, you know, and so they were flowing together. And that's what we need. We need unity. The discord to be defeated and unity to come. You know, you, sometimes you think of the power of unity. And, and there's a, a very big negative example in the Bible. When the Lord looked down on the inhabitants of the earth and they had united in a bad way. And God said, in Genesis eleven six, he said, Look, the people are one, and nothing will be withheld from them. Now, that was towards wickedness. How much more when we become united to accomplish the plan of God for our lives and for our fellowship and for our nation, for our churches? God wants to bring us into unity. Of course, what God did for the people on the earth is he looked down and he needed to bring disunity because they were flowing in the wrong way. So he... He caused everyone to speak a different language. You know, it's hard to get along when everyone's speaking a different language. And, you know, sometimes you can even speak the same language, but yet you're not flowing together in the same way. It's like, are you, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Because I, I think you're thinking something different. We're not flowing together. But God wants to bring his people into unity where we're flowing as one. And so God was bringing Israel into that. They were coming into unity. And in fact, you could say they had a very similar goal as, as we have today. You know, they wanted the presence of God in their midst. David conquered Israel, or conquered Jerusalem, made that his city, and now their goal, we want the presence of God in our midst. That, that's a similar place to us. We desire the presence of God to be manifested. And I know that you have prayer meetings in your church. We pray in our church, and we have uh, specific times we, we set aside to pray for revival. We want God to move. We desperately need him to move in our land. That's just kind of confirmed every day you open the news and read the headlines. Oh, God, we need you to move in our land. You're the solution for all of the problems, and they keep multiplying. But God is the solution, and so we're praying for that. And in one sense, King David is our model, right? How do we restore the presence of God in our land? It's as we flow together in unity, but it's also as we get our plan from him, as we follow the pattern of heaven so that his glory can be manifested in our midst. You know, I've, I've probably shared it here before, 
uh, a story uh, about uh, Sister Bailey of something she shared on a world map tape, but it so affected me, I, you know, I think it's worth considering uh, often, but it was just an old tape from Pastor Bailey teaching in world map, and before he shared his message, he invited his wife to come up and share, share something the Lord had, had quickened to her and spoken to her. And at, at this point, the charismatic revival, you know, that wave was kind of diminishing, and they were looking for the next wave to come in, and they were anticipating and looking for the great revival to come. And of course, we're still looking and anticipating for that. But she said, the Lord spoke to her about the next revival, the, the great revival. And he said to Sister Bailey, he said, in past revival, I have come on man's terms. But in the coming revival, I will come on my terms. And that so affected me because I realized we can study past revivals and we can see how God moved in Azusa Street or, you know, God moved in, uh, in different nations of the, of the world and so forth. But there's always an element where, you know, God was gracious and he came on man's terms. But yet in this coming revival, we have to be flowing 100% with the plan of God and how he wants to move in his ways. We have to be following his pattern of holiness, of truth, of mercy, of having an obedient ear, of learning to be led by the Spirit. We must be flowing with him. And you know, this was the big lesson that David learned, right? Because he learned that there's a danger in not following God's pattern to bring in his presence, right? Because we can all know, remember the story of Uzzah, Right? That was the, the time that when David didn't follow the pattern. And so, right, we know the story is all Israel was rejoicing to bring in the ark and to place uh, the presence of God in the midst of the city, and it would be the city of God, the joy of the whole earth. But they did not think to inquire of how they should do it. And so they just looked to the past, right? They looked to... In fact, they followed not God's pattern, but the pattern of the Philistines. They followed the pattern of their enemy. And we, we think that, and it's like, how can they do that? They did it. That's how our natural mind works. We don't even sometimes realize we're following the pattern of the enemy if we don't inquire of God. And so they put the ark on the cart, thinking they'd, they're just going to carry it up to Jerusalem and we know the story. When they followed that other pattern, it opened the door for instability, for uncertainty, and danger, and it led to man trying to touch what was holy, what he could not touch. You know, he did what he thought was right in his natural mind without consulting the wisdom from above, and it led to an untimely death. James talks about two aspects of wisdom. There's the wisdom from above. Or, yeah, there's the wisdom from above, which comes from heaven, which we've been talking about. But then there's the wisdom from below, which is human wisdom. It's based on our perspective. You know, back with, with Israel, every man did what they thought was right. They were walking in human wisdom, and they suffered for it. All right? In reality, it's a dangerous place to be to be walking in human wisdom because we have no idea whether we are touching something holy 
or not, or whether we're opening the door to something or not, or maybe put us on a pathway so our fruit or our inheritance is marred. You know, like the Song of Solomon talks about the little foxes that can just slip in and, and nibble away at the vine until there's nothing left. James says, earthly wisdom opens the door to strife and every evil work. And in David's situation, it did. It, it caused death. It caused a separation from the presence of God. And, and when David evaluated the situation, he said this in 1 Chronicles uh, 15, 13. He said, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for we sought him not after the due order. There was a separation from the presence of God. They wanted to bring the presence of God in, but because they didn't follow God's way, they were separated from the presence of God. The opposite happened. And it's a lesson for us, right? When we're seeking the presence of God and you know, God to move in our lives, it's so vital to say, Lord, what is your plan? What is your divine order? How do you want to you know, deal with this situation? A lot of times it's a problem, right? It's like, Lord, what's the answer? It's so important we get our answer from heaven our guidance, and our steps from heaven. Man thinks he knows his way, but usually it's the opposite. But man can, or but God can order our steps aright. When we follow his way, it leads to his presence, his blessing, and his anointing. Now there's another account I want to connect with this that we see in David's life. And let's read this account. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 9. This is when David was facing another enemy, the Philistines. In 1 Chronicles 14 and verse 9, it says, The Philistine came, Philistines came, they spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim, and David inquired of God. And he said, Shall I go up against the Philistines, and will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up, and I'm going to deliver them into your hand. And so they came up. It's no longer the Valley of Rephaim. It says they came up to Baal Perazim. And we're going to see why. It says, And David smote them there. And David said, God has broken in upon my enemies uh, by, by mine hand like the breaking forth of waters. And they called the, the name of that place. It, the name was changed to Baal Perazim. And so this is one of those occasions where David got his battle plan from the Lord. And, you know, he said, Lord, what should I do? What's your plan in this situation? And in this instance, because he did that, it caused him to experience one of the names of the Lord. And it's revealed to us through this, Baal Perazim. And it actually you know, God revealing himself as the Lord of the breakthrough. And praise God for that, that David trusted and he, he obtained the battle plan from the Lord and God revealed himself in a way he wants us to meet him as well. The Lord of the breakthrough. That's what we need, isn't it? We're facing spiritual pow uh, powers and principalities in high places and they're too high for us. But when God comes as the Lord of the breakthrough, nothing, they can't stand a chance. It's like a tsunami coming. And nothing stands in front of a tsunami. It just, the power of that water, you know, there's almost nothing on earth that can withstand that because there's such force. I think I looked it up one time, how much force there is in, 
in like a cubic foot of water, and when you add that up to big wave coming, it's a tremendous force. And that's how God is representing how he moves against our spiritual obstacles when we go according to his plan, when we walk according to his wisdom. He comes as the Lord of the breakthrough. Oh, we need God as the Lord of the breakthrough in our lives, in our church, in our fellowship, as we walk in his wisdom. What's interesting, I, you know, that when you kind of compare these two situations and you look at some of the wording here, uh, is this is the exact word used in the previous situation we considered. All right, the breaking forth of the waters, I'm not gonna say this right, so if you're a Hebrew scholar, forgive me. Uh, it's the Hebrew word peretz, and then if you look back in 1 Chronicles 15, 13, where David said, the Lord made a breach upon us, it's the exact same word. I find that very interesting. In one instance, David said, D David did things his way and there was a breach, a separation. But in another, he followed the plan of God and it was a breaking forth. He's the God of the breakthrough in each situation. What depends his you know, what changes that is whether we follow his plan or not. So that's what it all hinged on. And the outcome of our life or whether revival will flow in our lives or in our families or in our churches hinges on this single thing. It will, it will come to those who follow his plan, who submit their decisions, their lives, their you know, everything into his hand to obtain direction from heaven. In one instance, it was a breach. In another instance, it was a breaking forth. Do you need a breakthrough? Is there something in your life where you're saying, Lord, this has been here too long? It's very strong. It's like a big thing that's established there, but I need, I need it removed. How's this going to happen? Maybe God wants to bring his tsunami power, but it's as we submit our lives to him and our plan and we place it in his hands and say, Lord, choose for me. I just need you to come and break through. There's one last aspect from David's example I want to consider. Kind of flows with our, our Sunday school message we had about waiting on the Lord. Because God's wisdom and direction does not always flow with our, our way and especially our time, our timing. Because there was another situation David was facing the Philistines and he said the same thing, Lord, what's your plan? And I'm going to paraphrase it here. God's reply is, no, you're not going to go up in the same way. And, and he said, you're going to go to a certain place and wait. You're not going to move until you hear the sound of movement of the heavenly army, right, in the mulberry trees. Now, that's not our favorite answer from the Lord when we say, Lord, what's your plan? Wait. Wait on me. Our reply is usually, how long, Lord? And then God's reply is often, what, Lord? He's silent because he gives us that last word of instruction, wait. And so David had to take his whole army and he had to sit there 
And I don't, you know, sometimes you're like, you'd like to see that. Maybe we can watch the reruns in heaven of David taking his army there and just having to sit there. And, it, and the soldiers, I don't know if any of his soldiers said, how long are we waiting here, David? We're waiting for heaven. But that's, that's where we are. There's sometimes we have to get our battle plan from the Lord and his plan is wait. Wait on me. Don't move. Don't try and do anything. Because if David had tried that, if he tried it the old plan, he would have lost. The new plan required something different. He waited on God. But when he sensed the movement of heaven, that was his signal. He went and he fought and he obtained the victory. You know, Saul didn't, lose the, didn't learn this lesson, did he? He was not a good waiter. You know, not in a restaurant, but he didn't learn to wait on God. You know, there, there's that instance when he was also facing the Philistines, and, you know, it was a big, big uh, army spread out before him, and he had an appointed time. He was to meet Samuel, and Samuel didn't come right at the appointed time. So he waited and waited, and he waited until he said, I can't wait anymore. And, it, you know, you like to learn how he tried to excuse it. and said, I forced myself. No, really, he didn't, he didn't force himself. He was trying to force God to move according to his time. And that was a big mistake because the, at that, almost the very moment, it's like almost God was like, wait, Samuel, watch what he's going to do. And right at that moment, Samuel showed up and he said, so what have you done? Oh, I forced myself. Well, here's what the wisdom of heaven says. You have done foolishly because you didn't go according to the plan of God and your kingdom shall not continue. See, he couldn't enter into the blessing of God because he could never flow with the plan of God. And so often we're, we're afraid of what we will lose if we wait when it should be the opposite, we should be afraid of what we will lose if we move too soon without God. But David waited. He waited for the movement and the direction of heaven. And I love what it says. He followed David's command and he attacked and he defeated the Philistines. First Chronicles 14, 17, it says, The fame of David went out into all lands and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. The nations feared him because he followed the plan of God. And he could always get the victory. They knew that if they tried to fight him, they weren't just fighting a man, they were fighting the God of heaven. But that will be our situation as well. If we are those who say, Lord, what is your plan? Lord, what do you want to do? You know, those who oppose us, whether naturally or maybe even something in our hearts, they're not just opposing us, they're opposing God because it's his plan we're following and his way. The enemy is terrified of those who obtain their plan from the Lord because they're walking in heavenly wisdom. He loves it when we walk in earthly wisdom because he's got us. But if we walk in heavenly wisdom, we're following God's plan and we're on the winning side. And so as we consider the days we're living in, our desire is the presence of God. We want him desperately. Lord, come and place your ark in our midst. We need it. We need your presence. 
But let's ask God for wisdom. Lord, what is your plan? What is your plan to obtain victory in my life? What's your plan for your presence to come into our home and our family that we can be a family that would be a light to our community, you know, to our neighbors, to those around us? Lord, how can we get a breakthrough in our, in our lives, in our church? It's when we say, Lord, make me one who will follow your plan and your purposes. Amen. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you that you are the God of wisdom, Lord, and that you so desire to communicate with us, Lord, of your heavenly plan for our lives. Lord, we just present ourselves. Lord, we just ask. Lord, and we even confess that at times, Lord, we, we think in our own way. We think in a natural way. Lord, we walk according to hu human wisdom at times, but Lord, we just confess that to you. Lord, we ask for a cleansing. Oh, cleanse away natural thinking. Cleanse away our reliance upon natural means and natural thought. Oh, Lord, we cry out, Lord, in your grace and in your mercy, let us be those, teach us to be those who would seek your plan and to walk according to the plan of heaven, to the wisdom of heaven. Make us those who would be wise. Oh, Lord, that we could shine as the stars brightly. Lord, as we flow with you. Oh, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, it sure is a pleasure and a joy to be with you. And I'm going to give you my, uh, our, our greetings and farewell now because my wife and I have to leave right away to catch a flight. Uh, we're flying back today to, to Clearwater. But it has been such a wonderful a joy to be with you here at the retreat and at the service. Uh, and, but we'll be back soon, right? We'll be back next month, actually, for convention. So God bless you. <laughs>